0: Hey, family, how are you today? Good, good. Hey, isn't that good worship that we have here? You have to say, you know. Uh, There was a young woman, and she went to her pastor, and she said, Pastor, I have a besetting sin, which is something that really sets you back. And she said, I want your help she says, I come to church on Sunday and I can't help thinking that I'm the prettiest girl in the congregation. She says, I know I ought not to think that, but, but I can't help it. I want you to help me with it. And the, and the pastor said, he told her this, said, Mary... Don't worry about it. He said, in your case, it's not a sin, it's just a horrible mistake. (laughs) Oh, my. I want you to turn with me. Let's start in the book of Proverbs uh, before we get to the book of John. Proverbs chapter 16. Familiar verses, but I want you to see it for yourself. Proverbs 16. And verse 18, starting in verse 18, these are verses, again, that you know, at least especially verse 18, but it says this, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. We kind of misquote that, usually we say pride goes before a fall, but that's kind of cutting out the middle there. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Verse 19, Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with the proud. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Whoever gives heed to instruction prospers. Another who's willing to listen and and learn will prosper and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Now let's turn uh, back to the Gospel of John chapter 9, where we left off. Talking about the Pharisees and and the man born blind who was given sight. And the man, if you recall, the man said this. He said, one thing I know. I was blind, but now I see. see." This is what he, he said. He said, I know. There's one thing I know. I know this. It's not like... I had to learn this. It's like, I know this. I was blind, but now I see. But the Pharisees, they had so much attitude. They were so proud and arrogant. And, you know, they, they used fear and intimidation, didn't they, to try to get what they wanted. They would belittle, they would hurt people, they would abuse people. They thought that they were the experts, Now that's what they thought about themselves. They really, I think they believed it too. They believed that they were the experts and, you know, how could you tell us anything? In fact, if you do try to tell us anything, we're just going to throw you out. We're going to excommunicate you. We're going to get rid of you. There's a, a saying, and perhaps you've heard this saying, that says there are none so blind as those who will not see. Yeah, any of you heard that before? None so blind as those who will not see. It means you, won't, you don't want to see. None so blind as that. And, and Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall let him who thinks he stands so it's what we think and what we believe again that this it's kind of a funny story about this girl but you know she had this idea about herself and it was a horrible mistake and the pharisees they had these ideas about themselves too but it was a horrible mistake and you have to be careful what you think about yourself too you know our society wants us to think you know about ourselves all the time we need to To focus our eyes on Jesus. So let's, let's pick it up and we're going to look at verses 35 through 39 just for some context. We're actually going to look at verses 39 through 41. But Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. These Pharisees threw him out, the man born blind who was now seeing. And when he found him, Jesus found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And then the man said, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. That's the place where we need to be. We're going to start with, with that statement. And at the end of this message, we're going to look at somebody else who, who, who makes a similar kind of statement in, in contrast to these Pharisees. And they pride and arrogance. Do you believe he said he said lord i believe and he worshiped him. Now let's look at verses 39 through 41. That's the kind of the context here. Jesus said for judgment i have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. And some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, "What Are we blind too? You have to kind of put their attitude on top of that. And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. You claim that you can see. Jesus said, I came into the world, and and, and he came to bring judgment. In other words, he he came to kind of show this dividing line between those who were blind and those who, quote-unquote, could see or thought they could see. And that's what he's doing here. That's what he's talking about here. But he says he came so that the blind could see, so that the blind will see. And again, we have to make this distinction about those who are blind and know it and those who think they can see but are really blind and don't know it. That's kind of the the thought that Jesus is addressing here over and over again, even in these uh, few verses. One of the reasons that Jesus came was to give sight to the blind. That that would be the proof that he was Messiah. And sure enough, that's what he came to do. And here he talks about, and again, we know that he gave physical sight to this man, but, but there's much more than just physical sight. It's actually more important. Spiritual sight is actually more important than physical sight is, because these Pharisees they could see physically, but spiritually they couldn't see anything. They thought they could. Take heed who thinks he stands, lest he fall. So that the blind will see, those who admit that their blindness, those are the ones that can find sight in Jesus. David Guzik said. But those who see, who claim that they can see, but really can't see, it's, it's like they will become blind. In other words, they will kind of seal themselves or shut themselves up to this blindness. Like the blindness that they already have, it, it becomes kind of more, it, kind of, it, it cements it. Listen, I don't need that. I can see perfectly. I can see just fine. If I took these glasses off and I just began to tell you that I could see just fine, I would be like so, it would be ridiculous. Because I can't even, I wouldn't be able to see that, I could see you, but I wouldn't be able to see if you're laughing at me or angry at me. I wouldn't be able to tell. But if I just walked around and said, yeah, I can see just fine, and the DMV says, well, we don't, you know, you're, you know, put your face up to this little box and tell me, read those letters, and then I'd say, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, I see them. They say, well, we can't give you a license because you think you can see, but you can't really see. You think you can. I could convince myself of that, but it's ridiculous. But I realize that I can't see, so I go to the doctor and I say, doctor, I can't see. And they give you a prescription, right? And they help you. That's kind of what, what Jesus is getting at in this whole the flavor of this whole passage. Those who realize that they can't see and admit it, kind of show that they need and they see that they have a need, they have the opportunity. they have the option. they have the, the, you know, the this place where they can go and find Jesus and their eyes can be opened. But if, if we think, you know what I don't really need all that. I don't need all that Jesus stuff. I, or, or, man, I'm, I'm so good with Jesus. You know, like I told you this story a long time ago. Someone tells me, yeah, me and the man upstairs, we have this agreement. Oh, really? Well, tell me about it. Don't try to preach at me, the answer was. I just asked you to tell me what your, you know, agreement is with this the man upstairs, whoever that is. Where do you live anyways? So... And I said, you know, if Jesus isn't a part of this picture, then then you're, you know, there's no agreement. It's not going to hold up. It's not going to get you anywhere. Those who see will become blind. Pastor Chuck said, if you really, if you were really blind, then you can be forgiven. But because you say you can see, you're in big trouble. This man knew he was blind and Jesus opened his eyes. The Pharisees thought they could see and yet they were blind. And they were not willing for Jesus to do anything for them. That's where the problem is. They're not willing to let Jesus open their eyes. It's an attitude of heart. It's a a willingness, and openness. God... Okay, maybe I can't see. Maybe, maybe in humbling myself, well, I'm not sure if I can see or I can't see, but God, I ask you to open my eyes. I want you to open my eyes. Instead of just saying, you know what? I can see perfectly fine. That's what we see in verse 40, isn't it? Where the Pharisees, there were some there who were with him. They heard him say this. Seems like they had Pharisees planted just about Everywhere to kind of keep control over people. And there were some there when Jesus was talking with this man and the people that were around him, and they said, they heard him say that, and they said, What? Are we blind too? You know, it's just like this attitude that they had. You know, are you insinuating? Are you insinuating that that we are blind? You know, don't you know who we are? Don't you, don't you see and, you know... Sometimes we come up with people who are like that. You know, they don't want to see anything. And don't you know who I am? You know, the the Pharisees, someone said this about them and said, we are the constituted, the recognized guides of the people in spiritual things. We are the authorities. We are the ones who know. So... Sometimes knowledge is a good thing, but sometimes knowledge is, you can get a little proud. And you can actually be blinded by the amount of knowledge that you have. That's kind of what they were happening with these people here. Paul, in the book of Romans, Paul, you know, he's dealing with the Jews. And he says this, he says, if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind... You're convinced of that, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. He says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? He says, you know, you, you think you're all these things, but you're not even listening to it for yourself. You're not, you're not applying it to yourself. It's easy to get up and teach and apply it to everybody else. But but if you don't apply it to yourself, what good is it? It's easy to share with somebody else what you think you know, but have you applied it to yourself? Does it even affect you at all? Me at all? You You know what I'm saying here? Kelly likes that when I say you know what I'm saying. I don't know why he thinks that's funny. You know what I'm saying? Warren Wiersbe said this. You know what I'm saying? No, he didn't say that. He said the Pharisees were blinded by their pride, their self-righteousness, their tradition, and their false interpretation of the Word of God. They were blinded by their own false interpretation of the Word of God. They took these things and they they went way beyond what the Bible actually said and, and added all kinds of stuff. Verse 41 in answering their question. He didn't. He could have said, you know what, you guys are such losers. But he said this, he said, if you were blind, if you were really blind, and blind in the way that he's talking about here, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, Now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. It's kind of interesting the way he's speaking here. And sometimes Jesus speaks like this, like he spoke in parables and you had to really listen carefully. What are you trying to say here? He says, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. In other words, I think what he's saying, if you were blind and you wanted light and you saw your darkness and you saw the need for light, you wouldn't be guilty of sin because you would call out to Jesus and be forgiven. But now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. In other words, you're you're not even willing to open yourself up to the forgiveness that that only Jesus can, can bring. The light that Jesus brings, the opening of our eyes. Jesus is the one that does that. Those who admit they do not see are given sight. Those who do not see, who admit that they do not see are given sight. It's pretty, it's pretty simple when, when you think about what he's trying to say here. Now, uh, I don't think that their reaction to this would have been very nice. In fact, if, you know... If they threw out the man born blind out of the synagogue and out of the fellowship, what do you think they would want to do with Jesus? When he, when he basically flat out said, you guys are blind as what? Bats. And you don't even have radar or sonar or whatever the, the bats use, I forget. You, you, you can't even see, you know, right in front of you. You know, Jesus is standing right in front of them. You can't even see what is right in front of you. Now, for you and I, that's, that's what happens a lot of the times. We can't see it. It's right in front of us. We can't see the answer because we're not willing to see the answer. We're not open to see the answer. You know, we th- this this statement that the the Pharisees made, you know what are we blind to? You know what I think I think we need to apply that to ourselves as well from time to time. And ask ourselves have I got my eyes closed in this area? Am I not wanting to hear the truth in this area? Do I need to like Lord, can you open my eyes to see like what's going on here because maybe I think I know but I maybe I just don't really see it right. Do do you know what I'm saying? Can you hear that? I didn't mean to say that. Can you hear what what I'm getting at here? That that we need to apply it to ourselves. Because you know what? We might think, you know, I'm not one of those Pharisee people. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, think they got it all together. I'm not like that. That's the first step to being like that. Isn't it? I'm not like that other guy. I'm not like that guy... up. That that you know says all that stuff. I'm not like those Pharisees. Those who admit they do not see. But if you admit that you're blind and sinful and that you need a savior, then your sins can be forgiven, you can be saved. That's pretty important. There's another verse in Proverbs. I'll put it up on the screen for you. It says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. Whoa. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? It makes me think, you know, sometimes we have, you know, my wife and I have conversations. And, you know... I am so convinced that I know that this is what happened. And she is so convinced that she knows that that is not what happened, that this happened. Any, any of you understand that? You ever kind of... A man wise in his own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Sometimes we need to say, well, you know what, I, I think I know that. You know? Sometimes we need to back down a little bit and say, well, you know, maybe, you know that's kind of what I thought happened, but, you know. My, my memory isn't always the best. Used to be, you know, her memory was like Perfect. And mine was, like, really bad. And now mine is, like, horrendous, and hers is starting to get a little bad. So you get two people like that together, and, like, you have no hope of getting anywhere, right? She's not even in here to back herself up here. But, but I think you know what you're saying. In relationships and, and in life, for us to say, you know, I know it all. I know all that. Don't tell me any of that. I know all that. That is where you're going to start to get in trouble. If we can say, listen, okay, just listen. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and just listen. The Pharisees were not willing to listen at all. They were not willing to take anything in. They, they, they had this total attitude. And look where it got them. Pride goes before what? See, you misquoted it. I have been told you that. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You cut out the middle. It's okay, Bruce. Really, it's all right. Bruce, it's okay. Please. You know, this pride thing, you know, and, and pride is like the number one sin, and pride is like the thing that we have got to fight from the day we're born until the day we die. Pride, this pride of thinking that I' got it all together. And we can't get any help. If we, if we think that we've got it all together, what kind of help are we going to get? None. We're not going to make any progress. A man wise in his own eyes, there's more hope for a fool than for him. Let's go to the gospel of Luke now, Luke chapter 18. Another familiar passage, we're going to have communion here in just a few minutes, and this is all kind of a a leading up to communion and and kind of where we stand and our willingness to humble ourselves and offer ourselves to Jesus because of what he did at the cross. Luke chapter 18 and verse 9 through uh, 14. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. Confident of their own righteousness. And this word righteousness is an interesting word. It, it, it means right in a lot of different ways. It means the, the, the old English was right-wiseness. And so it means to be right. So they're, they're, they're confident that, that I'm right my own righteousness. So, so when we have the righteousness that God gives to us, is to be right with God and to be right with others and to be right with ourselves. This, this thing of being right. So he says to some who were confident of their own righteousness that they were right and they looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee who we've been talking about, and the other, a tax collector. And tax collectors were pretty much, you know, way down on the totem pole. People did not like them. They were were just despised. For good reason, I must say. And if any of you work for the IRS, I apologize. (laughs) So they went up to pray. Both of these men went up to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector, and the The Pharisee stood up, and he prayed about himself. And the margin says, prayed to himself. It's all about himself. He's all about me. Because he was so confident of how right he was, and everybody else was way beneath him. He looked down on everybody else. He prayed about himself, and this was his prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Man, he was so spiritual. He was fasting. He was tithing. He was doing all this stuff and, and he, you know, it made him feel pretty good about himself it seems. God, I thank you that I'm not like all these other bad people. You know, we can get like that, can't we? You know, I'm not as bad as, you know, those bad people. You know, sometimes you talk to people and you know, you, you, And this idea of the fact that, you know, what sin is. And you say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I'm not like the other people. I don't, you know, murder. It's like what this guy's saying. I I haven't robbed the bank lately. I, I haven't killed anybody. You know, I haven't committed adultery. I haven't done all this bad stuff. And I'm certainly not like that tax collector, he said. And I do all kinds of spiritual stuff. Man, I put money in the box. And sometimes people see me put money in the box. That's pretty cool. First of all, I don't know what you put in the box. I want to say that. But you know what? God's not impressed. I'm not impressed because I don't know how much you put in. Maybe if I did know, I would be impressed but I don't know, and I don't want to know. But you know what? God isn't impressed with any of that. God is looking at the heart. He doesn't look at the the outward stuff Is what these Pharisees were all talking about. So that's one man, and the other man, verse 13. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance, and he would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He would not even look up to heaven. He he was humble. He humbled himself. He he knew. He beat his breast, and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, that's the place, isn't it? Jesus gave this explanation. He said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other went home justified before God. Went home right before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's different math. It's not USA math. The way up is down, and the way down is up. That's that's the math that, that Jesus has. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, if we ever leave that place, if we ever, you know, and again, you and I are not immune to becoming like a Pharisee. You you and I are not, you know, it could never happen to me. Well, that's the first step, that it could happen to me. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He beat his breast. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. I think... The place of humbling ourselves. He who humbles himself will be exalted. The Lord will lift you up. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up in his time. The Pharisee and the tax collector. Which one are you? Which one am I? It's kind of an important question, isn't it? Which which path leads to destruction? Which path leads to life? The life that Jesus talked about here. It's the one who had that humble attitude. Like the man that was born blind, he says, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped. He got down and worshipped before the Almighty God. Not the, not the one who said, you know what, who are you trying to tell? Who do you think you are? Don't you know who we are? Big contrast, isn't there? Let's pray together and then we're going to, i got some more things to share with you about communion before we we get started on that. But let's pray first because this is kind of an important important thing and and, and even before we come to this place of communion, I think we need to, to, to see where we are. Are we willing to just say, I don't know anything? And I and I humble myself before you. I, I I'm a I'm a sinner. I, have mercy on me, Almighty God, because I can't do it. I can't. Nothing I have. All my righteousness, Isaiah says, are like filthy rags. All the righteous things that I can do, they're like filthy rags. They're like it's like nothing before the Almighty God. I think we have to understand that from now until we stand before Him face to face. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and and your word, Lord. And, And it is kind of hard to hear sometimes. Oh, we can think about it about that other guy. But to apply it to ourselves that it's me. God have mercy on me, a sinner. A sinner in need of light and life, a sinner who can't see, I can't see the nose on my own face, it's so blind. Unless you open my eyes, unless you give me eyes to see, give me that light to shine in the darkness, humble ourselves before you, almighty God. Humble ourselves before you, our great and awesome Savior. The King worthy of worship, worthy of praise, worthy of honor, worthy of all glory. We're worthy of none of that, only you. Lord Jesus, I pray that each one of us would just take a moment and, and think and take that place before you that we would prepare our hearts for communion as we come to the cross, that the place where we can be forgiven, we can be washed and cleansed, where life was given to us through the Death and the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. In Jesus' name. Some verses I have for you up on the screen. It says Psalm 118, verses 26. (laughs) 27 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord we have blessed you from the house of the Lord God is the Lord and he has given us light but this last phrase is interesting he says bind the sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar that verse 26 is a prophetic verse Speaking about Jesus when he came into Jerusalem, they said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Previous to this verse in Psalm 118, they would say, Hosanna, Hosanna. What they sang, what they shouted when Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. And it says he has given us light. But then he he speaks about binding the sacrifice with cords to the horn of the altar. And, And, you know, when we talk about the cross... Isn't that what Jesus done? He was was bound to the cross for us. But, you know, it's good for us to know that, but how do we respond to that? You see, the Pharisees heard Jesus speaking too. The blind man heard Jesus speaking before he could see. He was blind, but he heard Jesus' voice, right? He heard him, and he responded to it, and later he responded. He says, I believe, Lord. The Pharisees heard Jesus' voice as well, but how did they respond? They rejected him. So Jesus, you know, he was bound on the cross. He was the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice that, that paid the price for our sins, right? But but how do we respond to that? We just say, oh, that's cute. I'm going to buy a cross and wear it around my neck and then I'm safe. That's not it. That's how we respond. I got a few quotes for you here from a few Preachers of yesteryear, Matthew Henry, he said the sacrifice we offer to God in gratitude for his redeeming love is ourselves. Not to be slain upon the altar, but living sacrifices. That's what Paul said. Offer ourselves as living sacrifices. Charles Spurgeon said we bring ourselves to his altar and a desire to, to offer to him all that we have and are. And one more, somebody named F.B. Meyer. And this is a prayer, it is well to be bound. He says, "Wilt thou bind us most blessed spirit and enamor us with the cross and let us never leave it. Bind us with the scarlet cord of redemption. Look at this the scarlet cord of redemption and the golden cord of love and the silver cord of Advent hope, the hope of his return. Bind us to the altar. Bind us as living sacrifices to the horns of the altar. Yeah, he was the ultimate sacrifice, but you know what you and I are called to respond and to offer ourselves back to him for everything that he did for us. And so, we have communion on the back table and we're going to take a, a few minutes and 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 and, and as a a picture of your own willingness to you say, I I'm gonna offer myself back to you because of what you did for me. That is taking the step to go and, and, and get that communion for yourself. And then you come back to your seat and you and you have communion between you and the Lord. Just I can't I can't coach you in that. I can't tell you how to do that. It's between you and Him, each one of us. And and for you to say, Lord, I, I offer myself to you. in response to all that you did for me. What what more can we do? That's probably the least that we can do, isn't it? Sometimes we we just aren't willing. We're just not willing to give to him all. But that's what what he's calling us to. Give Give it all to him. I surrender all to thee, my precious Savior. I surrender all. So let's take a few minutes. Chris is going to play between you and God. If you're not ready, then don't do it, please. But again, this, the scarlet cord of redemption, that's Jesus' blood. The golden cord of love is love for us and the silver cord of Advent hope is the hope that we have of his return. That's what holds us there. That's what keeps us there. Amen?